And welcome, everybody, to another winning Wednesday edition of the Heat Ratio Podcast. I'm your host, Tony Cotillo at Cotillo 23 and joined today for the first time by my co-host, Dave Dixon at Coach Dixon 365. Man, Mr. Mr. Coker at PGH John 36 is chilling on the beach right now. Uh, you know, enjoying his, his vacation. So, me and Dave are riding solo today, but uh, it's going to be a good show, as always. Uh, today, we're always start off our National Day of the Week, and today would be the National Relaxation Day. I'll tell you what, in our age, I really don't know what relaxation is. <laughs> I have to agree with you there. Um, <laughs> relaxation is... Um Something that I'm not familiar with myself. Yeah, we. I, I think it's like maybe 1 o'clock in the morning if I could stay awake that late. And I can catch like a show that I probably have on DVR that I catch about 8 minutes of and I wake up at 8 o'clock the next day. That's the best relaxation I think I'm ever going to get. Yeah, isn't that funny how you sit down, you think you're going to actually get into something, and it's like 5 minutes and somebody hit you with a tranquilizer. Yeah. You, you'd love to find out where they are, but you're out like a light. Yeah. That's what it is, man. It's like every, like uh, everything throughout the day, and I, you know that, that's another thing. We we could get long winded on this, but you know, just everything is so busy. Lives are so busy. I, I never remember being this busy. I, I I don't know. You know, obviously, you know, we have this great thing that we do, and you know, we we have our full time jobs, and we have our part time jobs, and we have our full time parent jobs, and our full time coaching jobs, and I mean, but. It just, have you ever felt like, I always feel anxious every day, like I'm forgetting something or I need to get this done, but it's like not one thing, it's like five things. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> it's funny you just said that because um, I just missed uh, my son's orthodontist appointment <laughs> that I was reminded of yesterday, and, uh, you know, I get a call, we're that- actually out on the field, we're on the field working on baseball doing some uh, soft toss and things like that and i get a text from my wife did you take dj to the orthodontist i write back oops Uh, (laughs) yeah i've been there plenty of times before absolutely man it's nuts i mean i it's just I, i don't even know how to describe it uh i really don't it's just it's just a busy time and speaking of busy somebody that was busy on sunday uh over the course of this weekend was Tiger Woods, and I, and we got to start here with Tiger, and you know we normally don't start with golf on this podcast, but I just the the, the electric enthusiasm that I felt that a lot of people felt um, on Sunday. I mean Sundays. I wrote a long time ago. Sundays are always better with Tiger, and I think it, it, it's it's such an indictment of what he means to the sport, what he means to television ratings, what he means to the fan himself. And it just sitting there. I I, start, I I honestly put it on. I think it was like hole ten. I got in, was doing some things. Got in. I was like, man, I, I really want to watch this. I sat down, put him on hole ten. I see he's in contention, and I'm just sitting there. And, and for a moment, I just I was in awe because I remember, you know, seven, eight, ten years ago when this guy came out. Or not came out, but when this guy was on top of his game, right? He was on top of that pyramid. You know, it was him and Phil. It was him every weekend battling the playoff. The eight, you know, it just it felt like that all over again. And and, and little by little, he he's finally back. And 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 this showed me, even though he lost, 
I still don't think it matters. Even if Tiger doesn't win, it doesn't matter, okay? But at the end of the day, he's back, and I can't wait for the next tournament. Well, he is definitely back, and um, I'm going to touch on a couple things that you just talked about. He's great for multiple cultures involving golf and what he does for the whole sport and all sports in my opinion is an excellent thing the world's better when tiger's golfing i think um tiger woods loses but he puts on a great show for uh all golf fans right and uh, absolutely who he lost to um how do you say his last name <laughs> brooks <laughs> kapka Kepka, like, like, okay, <laughs> that just proves it right there, right, right? Right, but here's 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 Kepka, right? <laughs> He's he won um, uh, two championships, um, in what is it? The second this was his second major in, um, whatever I forget. Um, it but, was the last. I think it's two out of four. Second, yeah, and then this is his third in fourteen months. That's yeah, what it is. Third, that's it. Um, yep. and. But Tiger, Tiger shoots under fourteen for the weekend, and that's and, and again, that's all we were worried about. We weren't worried about Kepka, yeah, who looks like he could play linebacker for the Jacksonville Jaguars. By yeah. the way, yeah. that dude is ripped. Well, okay, that's <laughs> really, another thing with Tiger has ripped. done for golf. He's raised everybody's bar. Yep. you have to be in shape. You have to lift weights. You have to train cardio to beat tiger he set the bar and a certain standard to play a certain way so this yep. guy kepka who we don't know how to say his name i mean like i said he's he's uh <laughs> won um three titles in the last 14 months and again we're we're, we're sitting here and we're not talking about three titles which is in, in the last 14 months was one hell of an accomplishment we're sitting here talking about the guy who lost yeah I, I, that that just proved, and if you know, I wrote an article. If anybody wants to check it out, please go do so. Uh, PhillyInfluencer.com. Uh, I, I you know I wrote an article on Tiger, and, and I put some heartfelt stuff in there because you know you know I, I I bring it up here. You know this is to me this is why Tiger is so great. You know I have a 13 year old son who's not into golf. Okay, he snubs his nose at the mere mention of it, and at hole 12, you know I'm watching it. Like I said, I start watching a hole 10. Uh, I'm getting hyped, like I always do. I'm sitting in front, I'm clapping, I'm fist bumping, I'm yelling. He comes downstairs from playing Fortnite, which we'll get into later. <laughs> okay. But he comes down, he goes, Dad, what's going on? I said, man, it, it's Tiger, bud. He's, he's in contention. I'm, I'm hype. I'm, I got goosebumps. He sits down next to me and literally watches the rest of the, the, the next seven holes that he shoots, asking me questions about the game, asking me why this, why that. By the end of the time, me and him are fist bumping the Tiger on 18. And that's a moment that I always have now. And and, and it just goes to show, and, I, and thank you, Tiger, for that. But that just goes to show what he means. This is what he symbolizes. He takes a 13-year-old kid who's infatuated with Fortnite, who never, ever played golf before in his life and thought it was a nerdy sport, is sitting there chest bumping and fist pumping with his dad on 18, even though Tiger lost. And now he said to me, Dad, I can't wait till he plays again. So now, so this is what happens when Tiger is at his, his, you know, at at his ultimate point. And I think it was, was it 15, 14 or 15? It was a par five when he threw his, his second shot was just, it was par four. His second shot was just dramatic. Okay. Five foot within a hole. 
You've seen him not only get mad because it didn't go in. This is how on point he was. But he teared up. He took his hat off. You could see in his eyes he was ready to cry. You know why? Because he felt it. He felt, you know what? These last seven years have been shit. And finally, finally I feel what I felt back then. Finally now, I'm back. And I think that's what symbolized it. And I'll tell you what, I cannot wait to see his next tournament. I cannot wait going forward because the next major that he wins, I mean, I I don't even know how Twitter can blow up even more without a winning. But when he wins, it's going to be dynamic. It really is. Multicultural and generational. I mean, he's... Perfect uh, words. Perfect words. He's he's outstanding. And like I, I truly believe, I think that not only the golf world, but the whole world is uh, sports world is a better spot when he's playing. Um, he's just that powerful. Are, are, are we going, am I going on, out on a limb here? Am I stressing by saying he is the greatest athlete today? I'm talking all sports, not LeBron, not Tiger Woods. Ooh. I know that's I I know and, and I have I, to put some thought into that right but, uh, I, but I I just that's what I feel because here's the thing what other athlete it could you know we'll put, take LeBron James because to me LeBron James is huge I may not like the guy but he, but but he, but he's another he's another you know multicultural athlete right another generational talent okay but how many people stop. And we're going to get how big of social media is a monster later in the show. But how many other athletes stop social media? How many other athletes clog up Twitter lines? How many athletes clog up Instagram posts? I'm telling you right now that there's not, you name me, one athlete out there that puts on a better Twitter show than Tiger Woods. I know that sounds crazy, but all you need to do I don't care if the Eagles are playing in Philly. I don't care if LeBron's playing for the Lakers. It doesn't matter. When Tiger Woods holds up on a par five, on 17, whether it be at St. Andrews, whether it be Pebble Beach, whether you know, whether it be the PGA Tour Championship, it doesn't matter. He fills up like no one else. And that's why I think he's the greatest athlete right now in America. Well, he very well could be. I mean... Uh... I know people are going to fight me on that. Yeah. Uh, they are, but I, I, I don't Le- see LeBron, anybody else. LeBron's huge, obviously. I mean, Le- LeBron, you know, the next closest one has to be LeBron. Um, if LeBron's not the number one. But what Tiger's doing right now, um, again, I can't say it enough. I'm glad he's back. I know a lot of people are glad he's back, um, except for probably uh, the guys that are on tour with him. <laughs> yeah. Which which is something to be said about golf in general. You don't win any money unless you place in certain places in golf. Which yep. you know, there's guys that we don't know about that fund their own way, and 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 they make the cut. But then if they're out, they get nothing. They lose what they. So golf to me is a tremendous sport, and I wish that our kids would be more involved in it. Uh, I try and push it on my kids. I'm trying to push it on my daughter because golf and college scholarships is a whole nother story. Of course. Um, of course. But, like, Tiger's awesome, man. He, he's just a lot of fun. You watch him when that, what was it, when he was on Johnny Carson when he was a kid, right? Yep. He's our age, right? He's yes. right around 43, 44, whatever. Speak for yourself. I ain't uh, up to that point. Right. Well, I, I'm yeah. an elder statesman here. <laughs> yes, I am. Um, but 
Tiger is, uh, yeah, he's extremely popular. Uh, and what even his mishaps in his own life, people still admire and are going to uh, admire him because the draw and the, the, you know, like you said, par five, they want to see him hit a drive. Right? What's he? Of how course. far? How far is he going to smoke this one? Absolutely. Is it going to go? Is it going to go two eighty? Yeah. Is it two fifty? Is it going to go three hundred? Yeah. You know, it's going to stay on the green. I mean, that. And the last thing I want to say about it is what what I think is great about this is you know it, it, you know with all due respect to Kapka, you know guys like that with Jason the Jason Days and the Jordan Speeds of the world. What's great is you know when Tiger became relevant, he was going up against the likes of Jack Nicholas, right, and. Now, he's actually playing a role of Jack, if you think about it, because these guys are 15 years younger than him that he's going up against. So it's amazing how this whole thing took a different dynamic. And, and again, it's just great for the game of golf, and I look forward to it. But we're going to spin our wheels a little bit on a different topic. We're going to get into Philadelphia a little bit here because we got to talk a little Phillies. And the reason why we got to talk a little Phillies is because – it's an exciting time, no matter what the Twitter trolls feel, or no matter what the groups on Facebook feel. Okay, the Phillies, yes, they're one. As we speak, the Phillies are one game out of first place right now. Okay, Atlanta had a doubleheader on Monday. You know, they took care of business, something the Phillies couldn't do in San Diego. Uh, you know, and they're they're in the midst of a a hard three games. Uh, play against the Boston Red Sox, who are the best team in baseball, in my opinion, and a lot of others as well. But, you know, this this whole Gabe Kapler thing to me is stunning because, again, you know, when they hired Gabe, nobody knew what to think. Nobody knew, you know, everybody was like, uh, you know, who is this guy? You know, is he really a baseball guy? What does he have to offer? Oh, it's all analytics. This guy's going to be, you know, it's all going to be, you know, at, you know, all these analytic, you know, things that he's going to do. And so at the end of the day, though, when he start coming out, you heard him talk. To me, he kind of sounded robotic. Okay, I really didn't like all his responses, but all I kept saying is, "Hey, give this guy a chance, right? Give him a chance. Just give him a chance to see what happens." I mean, what else do we have to lose? I mean, it's not Pete McCann, and it's not a retread with Larry Bowler, or you didn't bring it. I wanted, I wanted a, a guy from Chicago. Um, oh, well, uh, Mark Madden, Madden, yeah. uh, or Joe Madden. Joe I'm Madden. sorry, Joe I wanted Joe Madden. Okay, and that's who I wanted. I know he wasn't out there, but I'm yeah. saying that's the guy I, I've always I wanted a guy like Joe Madden, okay, who I think is the best uh, manager in Major League Baseball. I agree. Uh, I actually wanted Martinez, uh, Dave uh, Dave Martinez uh, for the Dodgers. Okay. And that was my – you know why? Because he was Joe Madden's bench coach in Tampa Bay. So I wanted to be as, as close to, that to Madden as I yeah. could. Mm-hmm. But I gave him a chance. And you know what? Lo and behold – I think Gabe's done a great job. Okay, we can say what we want. But who expected this team to be in first, in second, back and forth? Who expected this team to be in playoff contention? Who expected this team to be buyers at the trade deadline? Nobody. Not one person. Not one. Exact. Nobody expected that. I'm so sick and tired of after when they win, everybody's on board. When they lose a game, we suck again. Gabe sucks. The shift sucks. The analytics suck. You know, Gabe's terrible. A <laughs> shit show. I'm so tired of it. Dude, 
please do me a favor. Pick a side to be on, okay? Pick one side or the other. Either you want to sink in the ship or you want to swim. I don't don't go back and forth with paddles for the love of God, please, because it's giving me a heart attack. Well, you just described <laughs> you just described uh, half of. Oh, I'm sweating fan over base. here, man. Sweating. And Philly fans are, you know, uh, we're all very unique, um, very passionate. Everybody knows, um, you know, uh, the knowledgeable part is is there. Uh, the guys that you and I both work with, um, not that we work at the same spot, but you know, we talk about our friends that we converse with sports, and 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 they're knowledgeable guys. Uh, the on and off the bandwagon stuff is part of being a Philadelphia fan that we'll never get away from. Um, and I agree with what you said, like either be on board or, or, or not. But this is my side of the fence on that is that I – Gabe Kapler is a product of that analytical program, and I don't agree with it. Uh, well, you and I discussed off the air um, – I'm not for the shifts at all times. I know, listen, I'm a baseball guy. I'll tell you that they did the shift back when Ted Williams played baseball, right? Uh, Brian Howard played against the shift. Um, Big Poppy, they shifted for him. Um, And I just spoke and and read about an article that Jason Wirth talks about, about nerds are killing baseball, (laughs) right? I love that statement. I love it. Talking about the analytical nerds that are telling – telling you that you know we want you to hit a home run well in worth's comments where the whole shift is over here i can lay a bunt down i'll be on first and they're like no you hit a home run so and he got ripped for that by some of the other uh reporters that were talking about him and you know i agree with jason i agree so my issues with gabe are about that whole program about the whole analytical stage in baseball and the reporter that ripped jason talks about how you know the top teams in baseball are all these analytical run teams right red sox dodgers yep uh give me a few other ones phillies uh, uh phillies i mean you gotta throw the phillies yeah in there. you're right you're you're right I, so listen there's something to it all right they're playing the percentages and i get it baseball is a percentage-based sport but it takes away to me the pure way baseball in my opinion should be played Am I? Do I disagree or agree with Gabe? I like what he's done, and I and I said this out loud before. What he's done moving these young kids around should should and it ought to have more credit to him. Um, playing different guys in different spots and getting them to win is a difficult thing to do when you're not established playing time. These young kids aren't getting playing time all the time. Nick Williams is finally getting his spot because they sent all tear down, right? So Nick Williams is getting more at-bats now. And it looks really good, by the way. He's producing. He's producing. So, you know, the ha- the, ha- the Hamels trade looks really good right now. Hamels produced uh, uh, Jorge. Uh, Jorge Alfaro. Right. Nick Williams. Yeah. Now, they just released Jake Thompson. He was yeah. one of the guys in that yeah. deal. Yeah. Uh, Eikhoff was in that deal. Yes. And there was another guy, uh, Alec, Alec Asher, okay. I think his name was, who's yeah. not with us right now. Yeah. But just to get, you know, if you tell me you got Williams and Alfaro, yeah. 
I'll, they're, I'll take they're, it. They're two everyday players pit, for the Phillies right pitching, now. Pitching, you, you can never, you never know what you're going to get pitching wise. No, you know this guy could be electric, and you know all of a sudden, you know he he falls off the deep end, and all of a sudden you draft a guy like you, you pick up a guy like Sir Anthony Dominguez who looks really good and what nobody even thought about. So right. you you never know how no, it's going to work. But I mean, listen, I understand what you're saying. The on and off again, the bandwagon, I, the the. You you got to pick a side where you're at and stay with it and 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 just be a fan. Don't don't you know? Don't think like you know it's the end of the world. You know, be happy. And, and I'm not saying be satisfied, but be no, happy. Right. Be I happy that. that we are successful at this point right now. And and that is an excellent thing. And no one would have thought it like you said. So you know, let's let's see where this takes us. And let's at the end of the year evaluate Gabe Kapler as a coach, as a manager, and what he's done, positive and negative. And you go from there. You don't have to agree. With, just because I don't agree doesn't mean I don't like. Or we exactly. can't, we, or, you know, we can't be friends. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, it's not you, it's me. Uh, but yeah. then, but um, let me correct myself from earlier, too. I, I was so hyped up, I got the name wrong. I don't know why, but I kept saying Dave Martinez. I don't know why I'm saying Dave Martinez. It's it's Dave Roberts. I don't Roberts. know why. Yeah, Roberts I don't know why I'm saying manager. Martinez is the bullpen coach for uh, the Washington Nationals. I don't know why I had that on my mind. But um, you know, I agree with everything you said. Let's let, let let's go forward. Let's see what happens. Okay, let's give him a chance. Uh, as of right now, things look good. You know, we're gonna win some. It's baseball, man. It's baseball. Okay, we're going to lose games we probably should have won, and we're going to win games we probably should have lost. It's just the way it works. Okay, it, you know, it's the same thing that happened in 2007. Okay, and, and I keep saying that because I feel like this is going to be 2007 all over again, where, you know, we get into the playoffs, we put, you know, may lose in the first round because we're just not ready yet. And then next year, I still think they're going to make a huge splash in free agency. And I think that this team's just going to be restocked and rebuilt. And I think we're going to be the favorites to come out of the National League. I really do. But speaking of baseball and, and, and best players and best teams, there's one guy to me, and the reason why I bring him up is because we're playing this team, you know, right now in Boston, is a guy named Chris Sale. Okay, Chris Sale to me is the one guy that you never hear about. And to me, he is the most unhittable pitcher in Major League Baseball. Okay? And he's been like this year after year. While everybody's talking about Clayton Kershaw, who obviously can't stay healthy, Chris Sales is mowing people down, okay, for Boston. Just, you know, he obviously came from the White Sox, okay, but now he pitches in Boston. 12 and 4, 1.97 ERA. This guy is electric. Probably has the best slider in baseball. Why are we not talking about this guy right now? I don't know. He plays in a big market. He plays, you know, is it because he's not a vocal guy? Is it because he's not that guy that, you know, that you see out, you know, out all the time making comments or, you know, doing interviews? I don't know what it is, but I just think, you know, to me, I bring these things up because, you know, I like watching certain people that's outside of, of, of this market. And when I watch certain certain guys like that, I, I always think like, okay, I understand he's not Manny Ramirez. I mean, you know, Manny Machado. I understand, you know, he's not Bryce Harper. And, you know, but, you know, I hear about Max Scherzer all the time. Why don't I hear about Chris Sale? I just, I, I don't get it. I really don't. Yeah, well, <clears throat> you know, 
the young kids know him. Um, I'll, I'll speak for my son's age group. My son talks about Chris Sale, and uh, like I said, I uh, you know they know him. Not everybody knows him yet. Uh, when he does well in the playoffs, and they see him dominate a game like you just said, uh, he does. He 1. just dominates. 1.97 ERA. He's a big lefty, right? He's he's um, he's a dynamic pitcher, and I believe that he is going to have this for the next couple of years, this ability to do these things that he's doing now. Um, I forget how many years he was in Chicago, and I'm not even sure if they made the playoffs or not. But that, but yeah, that, I had to look. I'm not sure. That's a big part of why. They were never a good team, really, for a long time. Yeah, so his popularity is has a lot to do with being in a smaller market. Well, Chicago, White Sox, that is smaller compared to the Cubbies right now. Uh, but Boston will pay dividends from having this guy pitch for them and when they get to the playoffs and they see his dominance you know it's going to be like us watching Halliday it's going to be one nothing game Um, yes that's what I foresee Uh, he he is just he's fun to watch Uh, you know you know what it is his 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 pitch deception yeah his pitch deception is the best I've seen since Randy Johnson you can't see the thing coming out yeah his delivery, he's so long and, and lean, and, yeah, it's um, like I, who you have to really love baseball to get into that stuff, and, and, and we do. Um, but, but that's yeah, even above our realm. Yeah, <laughs> I, would, I would agree. I would agree. Um, but he's going to dominate. He's going to dominate for the next couple of years. He's fun to watch. If, he, if you've never seen him, look him up. Just YouTube him and, and watch him. Pitch against uh, you know a couple of the dominating teams right now, and and he's just yeah, he's lights all, out. He is man, he is, and I, I you know I just like to every now and then I like to lay lay a little segment out here just to you know tip my hat off to some of the uh, athletes that are doing really good things in the game, and, he, and he's one of them. I don't think it's enough credit. Uh, but talking about credit and game and athletes, and you know let, let let's talk a little Eagles, and you know. This Eagle season, uh, it went down to the open practice, which was phenomenal, by the way. Uh, just to watch, uh, 30,000 strong. 30,000 in attendance to watch practice. We're talking about practice. 30,000. It just, it, it, it's mind-boggling to me. It really is. Uh, you know, and hats off to all the workers down there. You know, I waited in line. Uh, one time, you know, kids wanted to drink, so I waited in line to get some waters. And, I mean, people, you know, there's some ignorant people out there. It really is. And um, this poor woman, she was probably 72 years old, working the counter. And this guy's, like, yelling at her because she, you know, she wasn't fast enough. And I'm thinking, like, yo, buddy, like, just just cool. First of all, that's somebody's mom right there, okay? Right, exactly. That's, that's somebody's mom. And, and, and have a little respect. I mean, listen, I get it. It was hot. It was. It was like 100 degrees. And, and I get everybody's thirsty and long lines. And, and I do think the link should have opened up more more because it, it wasn't. Half of them were closed. And that's why everybody just flocked to certain, you know, certain stations. But, you know, just to be like that I think is ridiculous. But uh, that's another topic for another day. But just to see the shot. I mean, they, should have, they had paratroopers calm down. Which was amazing. It really was. Uh, you know, Dave Spadaro, who I think is an idiot, uh, but did a good job. <laughs> I do. I can't stand. I can't stand Spadaro. Okay, he's like uh, he's you a know, company guy. No, he's so corporate. It's not even funny. He's a, like remember the Rock was a corporate champion. Yeah. he's the corporate champion ah, of the that's Eagles. Awesome. But now he's you know and, and you know he made announcements. You know, guys got their due. 
Uh, you know, you've you, you seen Carson for the first time running an offense. Obviously, you know, 7-on-7 drills, not 11-on-11. Uh, but you, you see, let me just tell you what what, what I noticed. Uh, Nelson Aguilar is a beast. Hmm. He is. I, I, you know, and, and his speed is phenomenal. I was watching him out there, and I was amazed. Yeah. And, and, and for, for, for all the people to wonder and say, you know, is he going to be able to piggyback the success he had last year into this year? I, there's no doubt about Why it. Why not? This, this guy is, they're in trouble. Because they're paying Alshon Jeffrey mm-hmm. a ton of money, and this is a contract year for for Mister Aguilar. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know how you're going to be able to pay him. Why not? I, I, I'm just because the the problem is you have a guy named Carson Wentz who's going to be making thirty million dollars a year. Okay, and, and and we see what happens. You know, unless we did talk about this on this show, unless he takes a a Tom Brady team-friendly kind of deal. I, I don't know, but it. what I'm saying is, you know, if you look around the NFL, you know, there's very far few between you see a team that has two high-paid receivers. Right. You know, they always have their number one. And then after that, there's always the, the mid-range kind of guy. Well, Aguilar is, is becoming from Tier 2 to Tier 1. Well, he, he – we, we discussed this before. He's going to have to get paid – in that realm of slot receivers. And what it, what will happen is they'll go against his numbers against the highest paid slot receivers numbers. Yep. And then he'll have to get something in there. So, But he has to produce this year first. Oh, yeah, and absolutely. I, and, and I think he will, like you said. But also in that equation, Alshon should have to restructure. And, 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 take, and if he's a team guy, he'll take a different amount. Yeah, but that's not going to happen. Well, maybe that's not going to happen. He, Alshon's already got his guaranteed money. But, but 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 speaking of Alshon, how about the report saying he could be out the week six? Wow, that's uh, that's something I read yesterday, and and I, I tell you what, he's on the he's on the pup list, so that's I, what that means. That's what that means. Now they, they there is some stipulations to that. They yeah. you know, but you know if, what I don't like is you know Doug Peterson was on WIP on Tuesday morning. And they asked him about it. And I really didn't like his response. Because usually, you know, Doug, as much as he can't say a lot, he's very forthright with, with a lot of his information. Mm-hmm. And he just completely shied it away. A bit, you know, and, and which tells me, because that was another thing I, you know, I got at the open practice. I watched Alshon just in a uh, jersey and shorts. Mm-hmm. He's not playing. Uh, you know, and I was starting start to wonder a little bit. Like, well, you know, this guy had rotator cuff surgery. Uh, you know, I know for football it's a little different than baseball, but you still have to lift your arms up, right? Oh, you yeah. still have to, you still have to have strength, you know, in your shoulder and well, what your... the receivers land on, exactly, more than not exactly they land on their upper body. So my question is, you know, are we okay? Like, you know, without say, just hypothetically, let's say Carson, who I still don't think starts week one, doesn't come back to week three. So now you're you're talking no Carson, no Alshon, you know, and, and maybe no Alshon to week six. Can can guys like Mike Wallace, and Mac Hollins, can these guys pick up the slack? Dallas Goddard, maybe they throw some with him and Ertz. They throw some two tight end sets. Uh, they're definitely going to go two tight end. So I, I I just you know I I'm a little concerned. Well, That's, I, I'm a little concerned. You, you have every right to be concerned, and and I think every fan. Going into the year, if you're not concerned, then 
you you know you look through things in a rose colored glasses and everything's uh, <laughs> rainbows and unicorns. Um, well, I feel like that though this well, year. Well, I feel like people are too laxed. Uh, well, I'm not. Uh, no, I, I, uh, but, from I what mean, I hear, they're too yeah. laxed. Well, you know the, that's part of what it's you all talked okay. about. That's part of what you talked about with Philly fans. They're either one extreme or the other, or they want. You know, if this team loses week one, guess what? The Philly fans are going to be like Doug Peterson sucks, and uh, uh, and we need to get. You know, yeah, but you know what though? I don't think there's going to be enough. And I'm not saying I'm going to say Doug Peterson sucks, but but what I'm saying is I don't think there's going to be enough. I think when if they got, I still think they're going to win against uh, Atlanta. But if they lose against Atlanta, I still feel like the the sentiments are going to be, ah, uh, you know what, Super Bowl hangover will be all right. You know we played good, not like what the hell just happened. And I think, and, and I'm afraid that there's a big percentage of our fan base. Okay, that feels that way. And, and let me show you what I'm talking about. I got a little violation on WIP. Okay, WIP runs a vote every day. Okay, Tuesday's vote read this. Are you as hungry for an NFL championship as you were before the Eagles won it last season? What the hell is that? So, 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 so wait a minute. So, you're asking, basically, I, I'm supposed to sit here and say, eh, you know what? I don't. I'm not worried about winning the Super Bowl this year. We already won one last year. Who the hell thinks that way? Not me. Right. So I, uh, you know, these are the dumbass votes that people. I, I don't get that vote. I really don't. But my whole thing is, I just feel like there's like this Alshon thing to me is a huge story, huge, and there's there's really not a lot about it. Yeah, Nobody's right. really talking about it. You know. And, and it's only because I think no one's talking about it is because we were under the impression that Alshon was going to be there day one. And we didn't know the severity of the injury. And we probably should have because his surgery was later in the off season. It his surgery happen. was a pop-up surprise too, remember? And, and he played half right the year away. with it. Oh, yeah. Well, that's the reason why they rewarded him. They knew he was yes. hurt. And if yes. you go back to his catches in the playoff games and in the Super Bowl, how the hell did he get his arm up to make these plays? Wow. Because you have a rotator cuff, and the pain to go above your head, is it's it's amazing he was able to do it. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I get your concerns, and, the, and, they, and they should be. But, you know, next guy up mentality is, is where we're at, and, and that's yeah, where the team's at. I know, next but guy up. But as far up. as being hungry, I want to win the Super Bowl for the rest of my life. Multiple. I want to win every day, every day we can. I want to win, and I want to, and and I want us to do well in every sport. For the people that wrestle on laurels and say, "Ah, we got a Super Bowl," who gives a shit about that? Who has the most Super Bowls in the NFL? I'm pretty sure it's the Steelers. Steelers. Is it the Steelers? If he, thank God, Coker's not here, but he would be. Uh, <laughs> he would. It was six. They have six Super Bowls. I was going to say Patriots. Patriots have five. Yeah, I, but I, I forgot about the Steelers and their dynasty years. Yeah, so I yeah, want, he'd be bringing I up want, San, he'd be bringing up San Antonio Holmes again. Oh my god! Trust me, but yeah, that's another Listen, day. I want seven. Yeah, talk to me after seven. We Nothing wrong seven, with that. We win seven Super Bowls. I'll tell you if if we should be relaxed or not. I got no problem with that. Right. So and, yeah, I, I I completely agree, and I I think I think that's what's happened, and I, I I'm gonna I'm gonna wait to see. You know my judgment until week one, week two, but I just did this. This season has a different feel to me. Um, I'm hoping that once 
the banner gets dropped, and you know, and and kickoff happens, and all these injury situations play themselves out. I, I hope everybody gets back to reality and, and understands that you know we we're hungry dogs, right? That that was the whole mentality. We you know our appetite hasn't been satisfied right. by any means. Well, you listen to the players, and um, it sounds like to me that they share the same. They they they're hungry. They don't want to talk about the Super Bowl anymore. They're ready for for day one. And the guys that were hurt, they want to compete. And they want to play in those games that are meaningful at the end of the year. Um, So, fan base, I mean. Ask a a guy like Jason Peters if he's hungry. Oh, yeah. Right? Ask a guy like Mike Wallace if he's hungry. You know, these guys, there's elder elder statesmen, ask that, especially JP. I mean, JP, I mean. You know, for that's why he cried when he got taken off that field, okay? Because he knew, man, this was my shot. Mm-hmm. It's a Hall of Fame left tackle, never in a Super Bowl, man. Yeah. You know, so you know, ask him how hungry he is. But I got a good question for you, mm-hmm. and, and this is actually, this was thought about, this resonated about two hours ago, in Shawn Michaels' barbershop. Shawn out Shawn Michaels, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, it came out of the blue. Because a lot of things just come out of my mouth, uh, and I should probably think more before I talk. But I should talk about Earl Thomas, and I start talking about Earl Thomas because we're sitting there and they show him up on a screen. Uh, obviously, he's not playing. You know, with Seattle, wants a new contract, wants to be traded. Would you trade for Earl Thomas? And and, and, and let me uh, before I, I'm not going to leave it as a blanket statement like that. Listen to it like this, because this is the way I portrayed this to the barbers over there and the people in attendance. If Earl Thomas and Brandon Graham are the same age, right, and they both want to get three-year deals, who would you give a three-year max deal to more, Earl Thomas or Brandon Graham? That's an if awesome. you had the choice, that's an you know that they're married together, right? You know, Absolutely. You know, and Eagles, of course, Eagles fans know that we could have had of Earl course. Thomas instead of Brandon Graham. And, and, and now because of, you know the strip sack, oh, then it's all over, right? He's that was Brandon the only reason. For me personally, I bring that up every yep. year until last year when Brandon Graham <laughs> yes. did his thing. Yes, that was he made it for me that okay. I'll take Brandon Graham. We're good now. Yeah, we're good. Everything's evened up. But when you look at this situation, who I still say Rodney McLeod is the weak link in the def- you know in the defensive backfield for the Philadelphia Eagles, if Seattle called you tomorrow and said, you know what, you know our line's getting old, and our defense, you know we we had a couple guys leave, you know what, we really like Brandon Graham, and they say, you know what, you give us Brandon Graham. And we'll give you Earl Thomas. I, I love that question. I really and, and, and this is, so this is listen, how I'd sell. Not, not, not to cut you off, but just for everybody listening, there's no credence to this whatsoever. This is something I read on Twitter. This is something I have sources about. This is something that, you know, 97.5 through on the airwaves. This is just me. This is just Jigsaw's comment. This is me to you. Just my thought, my theory. What would you do? Uh, I'm going to say no. Wow. I'm going to say no. And really? If, yeah, well, I got to. Why? Well, if Brandon's healthy, right, what, what league are we playing in? We're playing in sack and kill the quarterback. Okay. And Brandon Graham just won us a Super Bowl. We just said it because he sacked Tom Brady when we needed him to. Yes. So I'm going to stick with our defensive ends. 
Where, where, what gets drafted more than a quarterback or a left tackle? What's the next most defensive end? Okay, so if Brandon Graham is healthy and Brandon Graham is able to make plays at the end, I'm going to take a defensive end like him over Earl Thomas. And I was the one that said a while back what we should have taken Earl Thomas. Earl Thomas can play safety. Oh, me too. Earl Thomas can play corner. Yes. He's a flat-out stud, and we should have taken him. I, I said it the year that we drafted him. Um, we drafted Grant. But at this point right now, if, if I have to trade one for the other, I'm keeping my defensive end to sack the quarterback. That's interesting because my argument to you – would be then why'd you draft Eric Barnett? To do the same exact thing. Right. But didn't you draft Eric Barnett? You know, we play in, again, we play in a not-for-long league, correct? So, but not-for-long to me means when you get to the 30-31 years, except for freaks like Julius Peppers. Oh, my Lord, that, that dude's a freak. Okay, but except for guys like that, you know, after 30-31, you tend to slow down a notch, right? Yeah. So, my thing is, I thought that's why when you're in a draft, you say, okay, we're obviously it's the third best drafted position, but you're, you're basically backfilling your roster. So, to me, Derek Barnett, in my mind, because of the contract status, was the eventual replacer for Brandon Graham. That was my opinion. So, then this year, you draft a guy like Josh Sweat, who you hope can come in and do the same thing that Derek Barnett was doing behind Brandon Graham. All right. Well, I'm going to throw a curveball at you there right now. Oh, okay. I'm glad you brought up Barnett. You know, they were both on the same field for that sack. Right? Uh, I get it. So, Graham moved down. Barnett played end. And guess who got the scoop and, and uh, recovered the fumble? Derek Barnett. Yes. So, you have, again, yeah, you got me there. what's the name of the league? Yeah. It's kill the quarterback. So, I'm I, I, listen, I love Earl Thomas. And everything you're saying is right on. Age is always an issue. But age is also an issue for safeties, too. No, it is. It um, is. It's now, if you told me that we can trade, uh, we're going to get Earl Thomas for give me give him somebody else. Well, well, well uh, see, that's the thing because it, it, it's a money issue, too, right? Because Earl wants money. Yeah. So you're only going to be able to pay Earl or Brandon. So that was my point. Like, you know, if you're if you're willing to pay Brandon Graham, would you be willing to pay Earl Thomas? Yeah. And if you could only pay one. Which one would it be? I I just think that he changes the whole dynamic. Oh, you man. brought a guy like Michael Bennett in here who who let, let me just tell for anybody who hasn't heard anything about Michael Bennett, okay, from the people I talked to down at the Novacare, this guy has been the ultimate soldier down there. The ultimate teammate. First guy on the field. Last got to leave in the young guy's ears all the time, like a Derek Barnett. Okay, explain to them how to get the technique down. Explain to them the plays, hitting the playbook. I'll be honest with you, I didn't know anything about this side of Michael Bennett. And if you look at what Michael Bennett is portrayed as, he's portrayed as a loudmouth bad teammate. Right. Okay, and he's not. He's doing the exact opposite. Which I don't know if it's the culture. Okay, that he's come into on this team. Um, I'm not sure, but it's working right now. So my whole thing is, you know, I think that lightens that would lighten up the the loss of a Brandon Graham uh, just a little bit, mm. just a little bit. So I I don't know. I think it's a good conversation. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, to have. But you know, speaking of draft, 
uh, be, you know, before we get into the other segment, I want to talk about this rugby player turned NFL lineman. And, and, and Dave's got a, an interesting story about this guy uh, who we'll talk about right now. So you're talking about Jordan Mailata. Mailata. I love, I love that last name, man. He's a Samoan from Australia. Um, and he is six foot eight, and they list him at three hundred and forty-six pounds. He was drafted by the Eagles in the seventh round. And for those that don't know, the Eagles just didn't see tape of this kid play rugby and say, you know what, we can make him alignment. Let's 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 take because uh, that is what everybody thought. Yeah, sure. That they is did. what everybody sure thought. That's did. what I thought. You know, you, the 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 company, uh, the business of the NFL just doesn't do things on a whim. Right, so um, the Eagles Good are that point. way, and Howie Roseman—they're—they're they're paying this kid money, right? Drafted him in the seventh round, absolutely. And I'm pulling for him. I told you yesterday, Tony, that, uh, and I'm comfortable to say this in my own skin here uh, that I have—I <laughs> have a man crush on this young man. Love it. And I'm going to tell you why. He was in a program that the NFL runs, which I didn't know nothing about. Uh, it's called the NFL Undiscovered, and you can YouTube it and watch it yourself. And this young man worked his tail off to, and was coached by football coaches, obviously, um, to get prepared for the NFL draft. He was doing things like drop sets with the pass, pass plays and the offensive line coach and in the weight room. And they showed his struggles and they showed his determination. And there's something that, you know, coaches talk about. Um, and, and you can't teach size. You can't teach Can't speed. teach tall. Can't teach tall, remember? Yeah, cannot. You can't teach speed. That is true. You cannot teach heart. I had a coach that um, I worked under at high school, and he his one of his phrases was, you can't make chicken salad out of chicken shit, right? <laughs> so this kid is somebody to root for. And his first game film, he got beat. His first play got beat for a sack against the Steelers in preseason, right? After that, if you truly love the game, and for all my friends that know me and the guys that I play ball with and stuff like that, you're, you're a lineman. You watch the lineman. It's it's funny stuff. It's it's uh, you know everybody else are like that are big fat idiots, right? Jordan <laughs> um, Mailata's feet are phenomenal, and you know he's never been punched in the mouth by another athlete that plays in the NFL like like he's going to now, but. What he did on that day uh, after the first play was outstanding. He never put a helmet on. He didn't know what a chin strap was, right? First time putting See, a helmet. That's amazing. Uh, th- this, this kid potentially can make this team. And um, they right now have him. I think he's playing left tackle. Yeah, have him left tackle. Um, he, he's, he's an outstanding story, and I'm rooting for him. Um, you know, I, I love the Samoan players, the the, the Hawaiian players. They just, uh, they're to me that like they're just tough, rough, and and you want them playing lineman for you. Um, so I think it's a great story. I think if if anybody out there listening to us right now, if you get an opportunity to look up Jordan, go ahead and do it. You, you'll be pleasantly surprised um, his story and and where he got to and how he got there. It's 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 awesome story. How long's that, how long's the uh, story? Like a half hour or something? 
Yeah, I, one of those specials. Or yeah, something. yeah, and um, that's, that's pretty neat. I, I didn't know anything about that. Yeah, it's it's pretty cool. And so NFL runs this program called NFL Undiscovered, and there's a bunch of coaches that get involved, and they get these kids prepared to get drafted or potentially get drafted. That's so, great, man. So yeah, it's pretty pretty awesome. That's stuff. great. Well, speaking of, and I like that because you know that's a, a typical blue collar story. What I love to hear, and I'm rooting for this kid as well. But you, you talked about man crush. I mean, I'll tell you who my main crush is. That's Baker Mayfield, and I know, uh, you know, we're, you know, it's not a Philadelphia Eagle, uh, but you know, before this draft, I was on record in my eyes as saying that Baker Mayfield's the guy to take. And, and me and Coach Dave had discussions about this. Why, you know, a lot of people would say why take him number one. You know, you could take Saquon at one. You know, and then you could get Baker Mayfield later on. What did they have three? Uh, they had four, four. They had they four. four. But my, in my opinion, if you're Cleveland and you've gone through the Tim Couches, uh, you know, and, oh, and the Josh McCowns, uh, you know, uh, you Brady know, Quinn. Brady Quinn. I mean, there's so many has-beens that they've gone through out there. Brandon Whedon, mm-hmm. another guy, right? You know, you take the guy you want. And I don't know if anybody had a chance, you know, I know Coach Dave did because we talked about it, to watch this guy in his first preseason game. I think that's all you need to know about him, okay? There's one word that I kept saying, and, and I get it. Josh Allen had a decent debut. Sam Darnold had a decent debut. Rosa had a decent debut. I get it. Everybody's going to say, oh, you're all about the same. No, they're not, okay? Because if you watch... The way this kid, and I keep saying moxie, I keep saying swag, this kid is a leader. You know, he is what Ben Roethlisberger was. I, thank God Coker's not here again. But he is what <laughs> Ben Roethlisberger was for the Steelers and still is. He came in and he just commanded the huddle. He commanded the offense. And this kid, he was I think he was like uh, 10 for 20, 212 yards, two touchdowns. I guess it's only preseason, but you see the decisions that he made. Okay, you see he went through all his reads. He didn't have happy feet in the pocket. I mean, this kid's for real, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I'm going to go on record and defend you and say that you've been with him for the number one pick the whole time when I disagreed. <laughs> uh, and I got to watch him play, and I'll tell you what, I was impressed. I don't care. I don't care what level of football he's playing. I don't care who two threes. I don't give a shit. You, you, his ability to, first of all, he kept two hands on the ball. Right, his issues in Oklahoma was sometimes he turned the ball over, put the ball on the carpet. He, when he moved up in the pocket, he held two hands on the ball, got his shoulder square, threw the ball where it should have been. He went through one, two, three progressions, like you said. Um, his ability to just continually move the offense and to throw the ball where only his players could make the catches. Uh, I, you know, he has it. And and what you've seen is, what, a month or two worth of work in the NFL? So if his issues were one and two things, like we say turnovers and dropping the ball, he's got it down. Yep. He's he's already improved on that. So his leadership roles in there, they're already on board with him, man. They they love him because he's that guy like you talked about. And I'll I'll say this. I, I, I'll I'll take a step back and, and say that his ability to play the game is worth taking. And and for them to make the right re I, you know, barring any injury or anything else, he's gonna be a player in this league. 
he is going to be. He he was another kid that wasn't recruited. Right. Right. So right. He's another one. The bar's not that high in Cleveland either. Right. So, <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. I, I mean, he wasn't recruited in college, uh, um, and then he moved. He he walked on. I think, yeah, I think so. Yep. And then he went and won the Heisman, which we know that that is uh, a nice, obviously a hell of an accomplishment, but doesn't mean anything in the NFL. <laughs> yeah. Um, exactly. So I'm really impressed with what Baker accomplished on his first game. We know it's the first game. He could break his leg tomorrow. We get all that. But everything that you talked about, Tony, um, and then some, his technical abilities to play quarterback already proved that he can do it in the NFL, uh, in my opinion. And they made they made the right decision. Like, he's not a year behind. No. He's, he's not. Not a, at all. This, this, the stuff that he did was, to me, what you would see on a chalkboard. Like, he was able to read the chalkboard and then put it out on the field. And that's what they talk about with Carson Wentz. That's why Carson Wentz didn't play in the preseason of his first year. And then all the stuff that they saw on practice and in film room and in the classroom, they're like, he gets it. I'm not comparing Baker to Carson, but I will compare nah. I will compare their ability to do that and to pick up quickly the NFL game and to produce the way he did. So Baker Hats off to him right now. I'm I'm very impressed. Yeah, I, you know, and the other part, the other side of that, which I think is great, is, you know, I think we get carried away every day, every now and then, and and I know, you know, we talk fantasy sports on this show, and I think sometimes we get too carried away with the fantasy aspect to actually look and look at the game and dissect it and look how, you know, instead of just watching the good plays, watching the, you know, instead of watching red zone, which I do love, I love the red zone, okay, I get to see every scoring play in NFL. But, you know, what I also love too is when I watch NFL Network, you know, the, the, the coming days after, you know, you can watch full games in like an hour, which are great. And you can, and what I'm, I'm looking forward to this year is this, this injection this injection of youth, this injection of talented youth into the NFL. Guys like, I can't wait to watch Darnold play. I can't wait to watch Saquon play. I can't wait to watch, you know, Baker Mayfield play. You know, these are things I get to look forward to. And I'm a Philly guy, okay? Obviously, I bleed green, but the best thing is, now I have something else to look forward to. It's not the same, you know, uh, Eli Manning you know, it's not to say, you know, I'm looking forward to, I'm even looking forward, I'll tell you what, I'm looking forward to a guy like Case Keenum. I think Case Keenum is going to have a remarkable year this year in Denver. I really do. This guy it's got weapons. Right. And he got passed over. Mm-hmm. Right. He got passed over for, in my eyes, a soft stiff in Kirk Cousins, who <laughs> I do not like Kirk, man. Okay. I don't. I am not a Kirk Cousins guy uh, by any means. So here, here you go, Case Keenum. You take your your guys to the playoffs, and you get beat on a play that was out of you know, obviously out of your hands. Okay, it was a defensive misassignment. It was a blown tackle. The guy was tackling a ghost. We all know. We've seen it. Stephon Diggs. He goes in. Okay, yeah, that you, you threw the ball. You got lucky. Whatever. Okay, and then you lose after that. But my 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 whole thing is. My whole thing is because obviously you, you you had to come to Philly and you know we know what happened there, but my whole thing is you led that team when nobody thought you were going to be able to, and now they just basically say you know what you weren't good enough, 
We're going to give Kirk the first guaranteed contract in NFL history, basically $84 million for a quarterback, and we're just going to let you go. Yeah. And then you go to Denver. Yeah. Who And I think, like you said, weapons, Emmanuel Sanders, Demarius Thomas, uh, you know, their line is shaky a little bit. Yeah. We'll see what they can do out there. But I think he's got a chip on his shoulder. Yeah, well, absolutely. I, um, so hopefully you can help me out with this. I'm going okay. to go over Case Keenum was a teammate of Nick Foles in Los Angeles, right? He was a back. Yes. He was like, yep. you know, second or third string there because I think they they I think they actually had Bradford. Did they have Brad? No, 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 no. They had Foles. Well, was he was he in L.A. first or Houston first? I think he came from. I think he started in Houston. Did he start in Houston? Yeah. Okay. So he's a backup in Houston. Yeah, I think he started in Houston. And then he went to the Rams. Okay, and then he was a backup for Minnesota. Yes. Right. Yes. Before who got hurt? Uh, Teddy Bridgewater. And Sammy Sleeves. And Sammy Sleeves. Right. <laughs> so it's crazy where his his road has taken him. Yes. So yes. he stuck with it. He was a third string on some teams. And this guy has all the ability in the world, like you said. And, and now Denver. Denver took him because no one else was left as far as I'm concerned. Like he wasn't picked first, right? Did he go to Denver right away? Uh, I don't know. So my point is that, that what's his Cousins was signed. Oh yeah, Minnesota. Yeah, yeah, and then yeah, exactly, and, and and not they didn't resign Case, and then and here <laughs> he, here he goes. He's go, he's off to Denver. Yeah, in that offense, which I I agree with you, Tony. I think he's going to do very well, and everybody's going to be like, oh, there's this guy again. Yeah, he because just puts up numbers exactly because you know listen, there's a lot. Of, there's not like get on a Denver topic, but there's a lot of flaws out there, man. You know, just uh, you know, John Elway just seems like he he's not a good evaluator of talent, the quarterback position. I mean, Paxton Lynch, I don't know what the hell is going on with him now. He's relegated to third string. He's basically probably going to be, you know, he's going to be hanging out with Jamarcus Russell underneath the underneath the bus <laughs> depot pretty soon. But you know, at the end of the day, though. Case Keenum, he, he might have found a home. You know, he really did, and I think it's a good situation for him. And you know what? Honestly, not that I know the guy, but I'm kind of happy for him because I think he deserved better because, uh, again, I'm not a Kirk Cousins guy at all. Yeah, well, he, Case Keenum found a home. They wanted him, and they made him the starter from day one. So, yeah, I, I agree with you. He, he's paid his dues, and uh, I'm pretty sure, barring any injury, he's going to produce. Yeah, I mean, listen, Minnesota – you know, has has a good team, obviously, uh, that Kirk's going to. Uh, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a huge Dalvin Cook guy. Uh, I love Dalvin Cook. Killed me in fantasy last year when he went down. But, uh, you know, he's actually – I wanted the, that's who I wanted the Eagles to take. Who I, 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 I really think that's why Minnesota moved up yeah. because they knew that's who we were taking. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, they got us back for the, the, the terrible Sammy Sleeves deal that they made. But uh, – <laughs> But, yeah, Kirk Cousins, eh, whatever, enough about him. But, yo, we're going to wind this down. I mean, I, I can't believe that we've we gone almost a full hour already, man. Holy mackerel. Yeah, I, I mean, we, we we got this list, and people can't see this, but, you know, we got youth sports, we got life, things that bothers, matters over technology. And we have so many things we want to talk about, but we just get so, you know, so passionate about certain things. Which, what's the best part about the show? Uh, eventually, maybe we're going to have to start doing it twice a week. I don't know. But, uh, it, you know, we already talked about busy schedules, right? Yeah. But, um, but again, man, I just want to thank everybody out there. You know, John, uh, John at, at PGH, John 36, uh, Mr. Coker should be back off vacation next week. Uh, hope to have him, myself, 
Dave, and, and actually, I think next week may be the first unveiling of the four-man show when my man Mikey Goose comes in the studio. Finally, we get all his quotes for the last 30 episodes, and he's finally going to be in person, I hope. So it's going to be a really, really fun show. And we're going to have a fancy show planned, just a specific fancy show, probably last week of August, where we just, you know, we just preview everything. Uh, predictions, sleepers, picks. Maybe we'll even do a league. Uh, you know, I will talk about some draft picks as well. But, you know, I'm going to sign off. I want everybody to have a wonderful, wonderful Wednesday. Uh, and I hope, you you know, you can listen to us, whether you're going to work, whether you're going to beach, whether you're out back, whatever it is. I'm your host, Tony Cotillo, at TCatillo23. And my co-host, Dave Dixon at Coach Dixon 365 And everybody have a wonderful Wednesday, and we will catch you next week.